Welcome to Kings River Life's Mystery Rats Maze podcast, where we share with you mystery short stories and first chapters of mystery novels read by local actors. Now, this episode features the first two chapters of Homebody, a Tony Cradella mystery by Louise Titchener. It's read by local actor Casey Ballard. Homebody was published in 2018. Chapter one. Before I try to tell you what happened when I moved into a murdered woman's apartment, I'd better explain about me. My name is Antoinette Cradella. I live in Baltimore. I'm a widow, 28 years old. My husband, Nick, was a cop. Three years ago, I shot and killed him with his service revolver. At the time, he'd drunk himself into a rage and beaten me half dead. Okay, now if you're still with me, I'll tell you about the apartment. The morning it all started, I staggered into my kitchen in a lousy mood. There it was, lying next to the coffee maker like a coiled rattler. My landlord's billet doux. It informed me that he intended raising my rent. Another 50 bucks. Time to move, I muttered. Slightly nauseous because I'm not the adventurous type and change stirs up my bottomless pit of insecurities. I settled down to start looking. Two days later, I stood in the living room of a one-bedroom apartment in a stately old brick Charles Village corner row house, listening to the eager absentee owner, Mr. Arnold Arnchick, tout his rental property's virtues. Oh, it's got a new coat of paint and new carpet. Three years ago, I had the kitchen remodeled. All new appliances. You gotta admit, the price I've set is a steal. I couldn't argue. Though Mr. Arnshick's property didn't have the charm of Mount Vernon, where I'd been living for the past three years, it beat the rent I would be paying after that last price hike by $200. Neighborhood's great, too, Mr. Arnshick was going on. You a college student? When I shook my head, he shrugged. Well, you're young and pretty, and I don't see a ring. You'll like living close to Johns Hopkins. Lots of young people, lots of activities. Where do you work, by the way? I'm self-employed. Self-employed? I watched Mr. Arnshick's reaction. He was somewhere in his 60s with a face that had begun to sag like a basset hound's. Either he was shy or something else bothered him because since the moment we'd met outside on the doorstep, he'd been avoiding my eyes and talking too quickly. Now, for the first time... He looked at me directly for more than five seconds. I run a business called Fresh Features. It's basically wallpapering, painting, and upholstery. Any objections? I tried to ask it in a way that didn't sound seriously defensive. He shook his head. Sounds respectable. Why should I fuss? What about you? Have I made a sale? Stalling for time, I glanced around, taking in the smell of new white paint the living room was small, but had two big double-hung windows with a view of the tree-shaded street. The kitchen off the hall, though tiny, was perfectly acceptable. Yet, I hated the thought of moving, and something about Mr. Arnshick wasn't hitting me right. Maybe I'm stupid for asking, but why haven't you set the rent a little higher? With the location and all, I'd think you could command more money. Under his pale yellow golfing jacket, he rolled his shoulders. Again, I sensed that uneasiness in him that I'd been tuning into all along. I just want to get the place rented. Money isn't a priority. What about it? 
I'd like to give it some thought. I've got two more people coming to look this afternoon. One of them is going to snap it up. He was right, of course. At the rent, he'd said it had to go fast, and I'd be kicking myself. Let me just take a walk around the block and think about it, okay? He shuffled his feet. Okay, but don't take too long. Giving the empty living room a nervous glance, he added, I'll be on my car. Something was wrong. I knew it. Five minutes later, I stopped into a corner grocery and had my forced fears confirmed. Yeah, sure, the well-padded woman behind the counter cluttered with wire snack racks confirmed. Everybody around here knows about that college girl getting murdered there. No wonder the landlords lowered the rent. College girl? As I tried to read the letters on the clerk's badge, I sifted through my memory. Are you talking about Rebecca Kelso? That's the one, poor little thing. What's this world coming to? I listen to radio and take a powerful interest in all violent happenings within a mile radius of my front door. However, though my memory is pretty good, I might not have been able to come up with Rebecca Kelso's name if she hadn't been unusual. It's not common for pretty white Hopkins graduate students to get knifed in their living rooms. The grocery store lady had settled into dirge mode. Such a nice young girl came in here a lot to buy milk and stuff. Never had a mean word to say. If you ask me, it must have been somebody she was dating. Men these days, I'll tell you. I heard when they found her body, there was blood everywhere. No wonder Mr. Ironshake had sprung for new carpeting and a paint job. Kate made a jabbing motion at the street where, half a block away, he waited for me. I ask you, who'd want to live in a place where a thing like that happens? Well, it wasn't my fondest dream. On the other hand, the wheeler dealer in me had sniffed opportunity. A quarter of an hour later, I peered into the open window of Arnold Arnchick's off-white American sedan. You drive a hard bargain, young lady, he was saying. What you're offering to pay hardly covers my taxes. Yes. But I know the truth about your place, and the other people who've answered your ad don't. There's a disclosure law about this sort of thing, you know? How are they going to react when they hear Rebecca Kelso's blood spattered your apartment walls? He blanched. Okay, okay. I said okay, didn't I? You've got a deal. Chapter 2 It never fails that every time after I've put on my tough lady act and driven a bargain, I start wishing I'd kept my big mouth shut. Waiting for the bus and then all the way home on it, I grew steadily more insecure about the lease I'd signed. As I stepped off and headed across the park to my brownstone, cold shivers tap-danced up my spine. I lived on Mount Vernon Square. It's an area of the city where the Victorian equivalent of the jet set once resided. Lavish Italian townhouses frame a park decorated by the first Washington monument ever built in this country. Since the days when the society ladies who lived here thought nothing of taking a footman and carriage to church, one block away, the square has fallen on harder times. But it's still beautiful. Instead of unlocking my own door, I knocked on my across-the-hall neighbors. Tony, sweetie, Randall cried after he'd peered out. I've just whipped up the most divine double chocolate cheesecake. Haul yourself in and have a taste. Lest you get the wrong idea, let me explain right away that Randall Howarth and I are just good friends. Randall was my lawyer when I was on trial for Nick's murder. 
Though he's a partner in a fancy law firm, he does a lot of pro bono work in connection with the Rape Crisis Center. Randall is tall, always elegantly dressed, black as midnight, and extremely good-looking. Jonathan, his beautiful boyfriend, is a musician. Whenever I walk through Randall's door, I feel proprietary. This, even though I furnished my place in early goodwill, while his teams with Victorian splendor. Randall's crystal chandeliers, Tiffany lamps, mahogany couches upholstered in needlepoint, and oriental rugs stagger the eye with pattern. Since I hung all his wallpaper, Faux finished his woodwork in malachite and reupholstered just about every other antique he owns, his quarters feel almost like home. I don't believe what I'm hearing. You're seriously contemplating moving into the joint where Rebecca Kelso got hacked to pieces? We were standing in Randall's kitchen. It's a gourmet's wonderland with gleaming copper pots hanging from a brass ceiling rack, marble countertops, and a butcher block chopping island. Randall had just cut an enormous chunk of chocolate cheesecake and plopped it on a cut glass plate. I can't afford the rent here anymore. Randall, who has an income in six digits, rolled his eyes. The rent is incredibly cheap. It was when you first talked me into coming. Then you were an urban pioneer. The yuppie types who followed your lead are jacking up property values. Which is all to the good. Randall pushed the plate at me and I stared down at it with a mixture of longing and revulsion. I've never been the sort of young woman who forgets to eat when she's unhappy. After my trial, my weight ballooned. I've got it back under control, but if I ate Randall's cheesecake, I'd have to skip dinner. Who wants dinner anyway? Good for fat cats like you, maybe. Not for me, I replied as I slipped the first divine forkful into my mouth. It went down like silk. Besides, what's the big deal about living where someone got killed? If we refused to live in rooms where others breathed their last, the city would be a ghost town. Ignoring my accidental pun, I plunged on. It's a fact of life that people die all the time. Randall rolled his big brown eyes and tightened the satin belt on his silk smoking jacket. When not wearing Brooks Brothers suits in his office, he tends to dress like a character in a Noel Coward play. Not the way Rebecca Kelso did, he tapped my shoulder. Her murderer is still running around loose. He could live in her neighborhood. Tony, my scrumptious little munchkin, doesn't that bother you just a teensy bit? Why should it? I said nonchalantly. I'm probably safer in her place than anywhere else. I mean, he's not likely to hit the same spot twice. Brave talk. But I'd have been crazy not to worry about that young woman's killer. I should have backed off then. But I'm stubborn. Uncertain as my minuscule income is, I couldn't turn my back on bargain rent. And there was something else. Something buried so deep, I couldn't acknowledge it yet. Later on, it would surface and get me in trouble. This reading of Homebody was produced by Kings River Life and directed by Lori Lewis Ham. Homebody is available for purchase, and you can learn more about the author on her Facebook page, facebook.com slash history mysteries. 
Well, check out Kings River Life Magazine's websites for more mystery, local theater, animal rescue, and so much more. KingsRiverLife.com and KRLNews.com. Now, we'll be back next time with another mystery short story or mystery first chapter. So subscribe to our podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. And subscribe to our podcast newsletter to get special interviews with the authors of the podcast stories. And follow us on Twitter to keep up with everything KRL at Kings River Life. Now, if you enjoy this episode, please rate or review it because this helps make us easier for others to find. Until next time, this is your announcer, Jim Tuck, wishing you a life full of mystery. Mm-hmm.